Somewhere in the bowels of the city that never sleeps. Kevin McCullough, radio host with Salem Media. Is a man also not sleeping. Syndicated radio talk show host Kevin McCullough. And that guy would like a word with you. Many of you know him from his looks for Damas. Of course that Kevin show is going to be great. The only thing that could be greater, of course, would be that Donald show. But we don't have that, so we have that Kevin show. Featuring the music of Dick Tunney and the Dream in Color Orchestra. And tonight on That Kevin Show, she wants every legal vote counted. Carrie Lake, and she's unafraid. He's a tall man who must be stopped. Peter Young, she's all about the murders in the building. Selena Gomez, and the spotlight tonight, under the stars, it's Coldplay. Now, from Times Square, where the former mayor is now on Tinder, ladies. Here's that Kevin. Yeah, I'm not sure if you saw, I'm not sure if you saw the icky Tinder profile of former mayor de Blasio, who came out this week and basically said that he and his wife are... Uh, they're going to stay married, but they're going to see other people. And I think every person on planet Earth went, who wants to see you two? Uh, anyway, uh, welcome to Saturday. Uh, we've got a lot to get to tonight. We're calling this the cocaine in the White House edition, special edition, because it is so unusual to have a substance like cocaine appear in the White House. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. I've been to the White House um, a half a dozen times, maybe. And I will tell you that to do anything at the White House, to get anything into the White House, including my phone, my laptop, anything that I that I would have needed to do my broadcast or to do a story from the White House, uh, it was like uh, having um, uh, surgery on a very sensitive part of your body. It was like they, they, they went... Uh, to places that nobody else had gone before. And they have to do that because it's such a high-security area. The leader of the free world does reside at the White House. And for, for people to have cocaine at the White House, to me, is a really harsh uh, reality that we're dealing with here at the end of this week, at the end of the week of 4th of July, no less. But, but I, I want to turn your attention to something. There's lots of questions about where the cocaine came from and who it belonged to and how it could possibly have ended up where it ended up, which was not where they wanted us to think that it ended up. But let's go back through the week and watch how the White House themselves dealt with this. This is from uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre's uh, press conference, I believe, on July the 5th. Do you give any more details on where the Secret Service found cocaine in the West Wing and how it got So, as you know, this is under the preview of the Secret Service. Uh, they are currently investigating uh, what happened over the weekend, so I would have to refer you uh, to, the Secret to the Secret Service on all of this. But one thing that I can share, that I'll, that I'll uh, share a little bit more information, as you know, the, the, the President and the First Lady and their family were not here this weekend, as you all reported on this, and as you also know, that they left on Friday and returned just yesterday. 
I want you to see what she's doing here. This is the, uh, I'm not going to answer your question, and I'm also going to offer information you did not ask for that is completely irrelevant to the topic. Uh, the question was very simple. Do you have an update on who, who the Secret Service believes brought the uh, cocaine into the White House? And she said, uh, it's the Secret Service's purview. It's their investigation. I'm not going to speculate. But now I'm going to speculate, and I want you to speculate because I'm going to tell you, you know that the, the first family wasn't here from Friday to Tuesday. Well, yeah, it was discovered on Sunday. It was left there at some point prior to Sunday. At some point in time, somebody left it there. That doesn't mean anything. The first family could have been right there, been gone just like they were. It would not have mattered if, if um, <clears throat> a, a presidential family member had left it there. They left it there. She also went on to directly lie to the American people. Take a listen. Uh, where uh, where this was discovered uh, is a heavily traveled area where many White House uh, West Wing, I should be even more specific, uh, West Wing visitors uh, come through uh, this particular area. I just don't have anything more to share. It is under investigation by the Secret Service. This is uh, so she's not going to tell us anything because it's the Secret Service's investigation. But what we want you to know is that it was in an area where anybody could have put it there. Or so we want you to think. And so was the official narrative. AP and a whole bunch of people picked this up. Oh, it's in a high-trafficked area. Oh, it's in a place where the tours go through. Oh, it's very, it's very, uh, it's very unlikely that uh, anybody from the official White House could have done this because it was in such a place where so many people come through. Actually, that's not true. Where it ended up being found that the White House tried to lie about was not in a place where lots of staff and tourists always were. It was found in the library of the private residence. And our colleague here at Salem Communications, Sebastian Gorka, who served in the Trump White House, uh, said a little bit this week on his show about the types of security that the place has. He was on the White House staff. He worked at the White House. He was in the private residence's library once in four years. That is not uh, a place where just everybody's going through. And, oh, well, you know, somebody just dropped a dime bag. <laughs> like they weren't searched before they came in as visitors. They, they didn't have their bags gone through and go through metal detectors and have things looked at uh, for any type of uh, suspicious um, elements. So Corinne Jean-Pierre is passing on untruth. Whether she thought she was lying or not, I'm going to leave that for someone else to determine. But it was not true. And this was the story that they were coming up with. I say once and for all, whether or not the cocaine belonged to the Biden family. So... <laughs> A couple of things there. There has been some irresponsible reporting uh, about the family. So to ask that question is actually incredibly irresponsible. I'll just leave it there. Again, she's not denying that it's not the family's coke. Kevin McCullough. Hi, Kevin McCullough. This week we have had a very exciting development in our uh, slave liberation campaign. Uh, I don't know if you were listening to the radio show on Monday, 
but the offices of CSI notified us that we have a matching challenge for this week. Every slave that we liberate, and thus far this year we have been fortunate to liberate 72 of the 192 total, that leaves 120 that still need to be uh, liberated. But of those uh, remaining 120, uh, for every one that we liberate before the end of this week, uh, a private donor is going to come along and say, okay, I'm going to match every one of those. Now, how does it work? Well, we've talked about it kind of simply. It's a $250 one-time gift or any combination that adds up to that. So if you have a, a small group or a, a, a group of friends that want to get together and you all can put in 50 bucks each and you make $250, then it's going to liberate one person. Maybe you're a family uh, and you as a family want to all chip in. $250 will liberate one slave from Sudan and be able to relocate her back to southern Sudan where she was taken captive most likely during the Sudanese Civil War. Uh, during that time, there were as many as 185,000 women and children that were taken captive uh, by the uh, northern portion of Sudan at the time. And when the world leaders came together and decided to end the war and create South Sudan for a safe refuge for those Christians living down there, uh, they didn't do anything about the slaves. All the world powers came together and said, okay, here's the end of the war. We've divvied up the land, uh, but nobody went and got the slaves. That's why my friends at Christian Solidarity International have been doing this uh, for the last number of years. And thanks to your generosity with partnering with us over the last couple of years, we've been able to liberate about 3,000 slaves, just you and I working together. This year, our goal is 192. 72 have been spoken for. 120 still remain. We need you to participate with us right now because every time you do, someone else is coming alongside and saying, I'm going to liberate a life as well. Here's where you go. You go to uh, bringherhome.org, bringherhome.org all one word, dot O-R-G, or you can dial 888-342-1010, 888-342-1010. You hear me give that phone number on the show all the time, but that's the number that you uh, that you call. It takes about two minutes to get it all done, and so if you could just carve out a piece of time right now, and whether it's a five-month gift of $50 a month or two months at $125 or a one-time gift of $250, you're liberating a life. Someone just like uh, this, this girl right here who was liberated by some of you just two years ago uh, in, in our uh, Slave Liberation Project. So would you please help bring her home? We need your help right now. 888-342-1010 or bringherhome.org. Kevin McCullough saying thank you for considering. What's a few classified documents between friends? I told you, I told you all the time. I knew it. I knew he had some too. Here he is, that Kevin, Kevin McCullough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest needs really no introduction. America fell in love with her as she ran for the top spot in the state of Arizona in the last election cycle. And guess what? She had a question or two about how it turned out. And not to be outdone, she went ahead and said, let's talk about that in court a little bit. 
ladies and gentlemen, you know she is probably on a lot of people's top of the of the secret list that they have. If if Donald Trump was to pick a VP, I think she would win uh, in a landslide in terms of a lot a lot of, of a lot of what voters would have to say about it. But whether any of that happens or not, that's somewhere down the road because now she's an author of a new book called Unafraid. Put your hands together for Carrie Lake. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Kevin. What a nice introduction. Thanks, it's so Carrie. good to be here with you. It's good to have you here. Uh, I see you filling in on the on the Prager show sometimes and you're on, you know, been with Gallagher and all these other guys. And you know, someday, someday she'll make it down to the little little weekend guy, KMC. She'll be here. And look, here you are with the brand new book. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Well, I you wanna... just had to ask me to be on your show. That's all it takes. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm gonna hold you to that now. Um Hey, we've got a lot to get into because my listeners are very concerned about the condition of the nation and where we're headed. Uh, I felt like going into the 22 cycle, and I said this in my column at Town Hall, I've said it on the air numerous times, I'm not sure we fixed enough of the things that were broken in 20 uh, to have good elections in 22 or 24. No, we uh, did. It, it, it looks like some of the things. Well, I can attest to that. <laughs> some things in 22 looked a little bit better. I'm going to be honest. Wisconsin looks like they've cleaned up their act, but Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada, maybe even Georgia, look like there's still a lot of problems. When it came to your decision to go legal and fight hard, that cost a lot of money. You had to put up a lot of time and energy to continue to do that. What's your assessment of where we are right now if the 24 election was held today? Well, who? okay. Let me give you something positive first. We are closer <laughs> today right now to taking back our country and getting things on track than we have been in uh, years. I mean, we're closer today than we were yesterday, than we were a month ago. We have made progress. You don't win a war in one fell swoop. You win it by winning small battles here and there. And we are winning some small battles, but we still have some of the corrupt individuals in charge of our elections all over this country who do not want reform. They like the status quo. They like the system as it is, the corrupt system as it is. I wish I could sit here, Kevin, and tell you it was a bunch of Democrats who stole our election. The Democrats did their usual, you know, funny business. We know that. They've got a million ways that they work the system. But the people in charge of Maricopa County were Republicans with an R behind their name. I think the R might stand for Rhino, but, um, you know, they also ran a super PAC raising tens of thousands of dollars during the primary to defeat and stop election deniers who were running for office mm. while they were in charge of the ballot that I happened to be on. And then we found out that all of the money in their super PAC went to trying to stop one election denier, yours truly. <laughs> now, listen, if they're running perfect elections, then you shouldn't mind that people want to look under the hood and say, okay, let's see how these perfect elections were run. But they're not running perfect elections. They're running banana republic style elections. And they're appalled that we're asking questions and saying, no, we the people want to know how our money is being spent to run these elections and why they're run so poorly. And so our case is continuing along. The people I'm talking about who run the election, one of the government officials, 
can't stand the heat. He can't handle the heat. Now he's suing me for defamation for speaking out about the corruption in our elections. So they're going to try to lawfare me to death, but I'm going to continue to fight. And it's unfortunate. They, they've got an endless supply of money. They've got Soros attorneys that are taking their case to sue me because they want to stop me. At right. the same time, they're trying to disbar my attorneys. They want to leave me with a bunch of lawsuits and no attorneys who will be willing to get in. So these attorneys who are in our fight are heroes, that they're willing to risk everything to take on these important cases. We filed a notice for uh, appeal. And we are putting our appeal together as we speak, and hopefully it will be, um, you know, filed by the end of the month or sooner. But we're not going to stop. We have a case. We have the evidence. We're just waiting for a courageous judge to do the right thing. It's really, I cannot stress how important what you just said is. And I think that one of the things that contrasts that is what happened at the Supreme Court the week before the holiday. You saw good judges that President Trump had appointed to the Supreme Court at the highest level and you saw a seismic shift in jurisprudence uh, in the country. You saw affirmative action and uh, LGBTQ versus religious freedom and a number of things just be kind of set on their ear compared to what modern uh, law systems have looked like. And th this is what we need in the election integrity area. We need, yes. we need people that are going to be courageous uh, and, and getting – executives in states and presidents across the country in the right position to put the right judges in place is is what makes that difference in well, what we're talking about. And we saw on the 4th of July this uh, injunctive relief uh, from a federal court when it comes to First Amendment, one of the biggest wins when it comes to our First Amendment. We have been under a censorship state. Our government's been censoring us when it, when it comes to the important things that we need to be talking about, COVID, election fraud vaccines, masks, shutdowns. There has been a, a movement and an effort by our federal government to silence us, take away our First Amendment rights. And this uh, injunctive relief that the judge um, put forth on the 4th of July was absolutely huge. And then come to find out that um, one of the um, entities mentioned in there doing much of the censoring when it comes to elections, this guy running our elections here in Arizona, hmm. who's suing me for defamation because he wants to stop me from speaking out, is involved heavily in that. Wow. So Shocker. the government wants to censor us, and we're finally seeing judges do the right thing. I believe that there's corruption in Arizona from top to bottom. I think our judicial system has corruption in it. We're waiting for one judge to show the courage. We're waiting for him to listen to the evidence and feel what the people need for relief from that evidence, rather than the pressure that they might be getting from who knows who to, do, um, to sit and do nothing. The I book think it's called come the book is called Unafraid, and the website, of course, is carrylake.com. Uh, we, we I would encourage you to frequent both. Uh, get the book, get a couple of copies, get one for yourself, get ones for a few of your uh, more agnostic political friends that may need some convincing. Uh, Carrie writes in a convincing style, as she is a professional communicator, and I, I do want to touch on this uh, just a touch, Carrie, because. You ran against one of the most unimaginative uh, opponents in your gu gubernatorial race of anybody I'd ever seen. She was barely able to take a question under <laughs> super controlled circumstances. And you being a longtime reporter and kind of communication pro felt very at ease in talking with people. But do you sense that even on the federal level, we have this unwillingness to really tell the people what is what? 
I think so for sure. I mean, we're we're really at a crossroads here where we're going to either keep America as this great republic that 247 years ago our founding fathers showed the courage to step away from the original globalists, the monarchy. We're either going to keep this system, which is the greatest in the world, or we're going to go back to globalist communist control. Hold that thought. CarrieLake.com is where you can find her online. We are speaking with the one, the only Carrie Lake. Coming right back. Ready or not, we'll be right back. Welcome back, Kevin McCullough. Glad to have you uh, here at uh, That Kevin Show. And, of course, uh, every Saturday night and Sunday night, we're here on the Salem News Channel on 300 radio stations in addition to the over-the-air network called Biz TV. But on Sunday morning, you can uh, check out my column at townhall.com, and we've got a doozy for you this weekend. Do not miss it. Uh, first thing, check your uh, check your inbox if you've subscribed. Carrie Lake is my guest. Uh, the book is called Unafraid, and she says she's just getting started. Uh, and Carrie, I think I, I don't think the, I don't think I'm overstating this. I think the whole country was pulling for you in Arizona, and I think that they still are to the degree that um, obviously the gubernatorial race is over. But they they want we want people like you and President Trump who are willing to put your toes on the line and say I'm not moving. And it, it's going to take more than you to move me off of this thing. You know, no matter what you throw against me, we're going to take this. Because I think that the America first messaging that, that to be honest, President Trump transformed the Republican Party with has been something that we've never seen out of the Republicans. It's we're not going to take your dirty tricks, your, your lowbrow tactics, your below-the-belt punches anymore. We are going to stand our ground because we believe we have something to fight for. And I'm just curious, um, everybody wants to know, and maybe you reveal it in the book, but what is on the radar for Carrie Lake? What is she looking to the future to do, be, achieve? And if 45 gave you the phone call, would you accept? <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's a lot in there. Uh, you're right. America you're not the only policy. reporter in this conversation. I know how to get a scoop. <laughs> the, you're right. America first policy saved the Republican Party. And I don't know that President Trump came down the escalator saying, I'm going to save the Republican Party. I think what was in his mind, and I've gotten to know him uh, quite well, I think what was in his mind is coming down that escalator is I'm going to save America. Yeah. And the only way to save this country is by putting this country first and stopping with these people who want to send our treasure overseas and start endless wars and, and uh, you know, keep wide open borders. We're in a world of hurt right now. And the only policies that will save us, and they are not extreme, the media has been lying about these policies. Read them. They are common sense policies to solve the problems. They have to lie about people like President Trump. They have to lie about me because we are not extreme, other than we're extremely worried about where our country is going. We're extremely worried about that. We want to bring policies in that will solve our problems and I think um, unite America behind these policies. And their policies, if you take who's behind them off, if you just, if you pulled the President Trump part away and you showed them to Democrats or people who thought they didn't like President Trump, 
because they've been brainwashed by the media, they would read these policies and go, okay, yes, when can we start? We love these. These are great. Let's do it right now. It's only because there has been a massive effort by the Uniparty, the swamp, and in conjunction with their pals in the fake news to do an eight-year smear campaign on the one person who's standing up to fight for us. It's yeah. it's insanity. And so I adore President Trump as a mother, as a mama bear, uh, because I know he's fighting for my family, yours, our country, and I want to see him get into office. Uh, I will do anything I can to help him. I'm speaking out for him whenever I'm out and about talking, which is quite often, <laughs> because I want him to be our next president. He's the only one who can do it. He's the only one who can save us right now. Well, and I, and I I don't want go. anything in. I don't want anything in return for that, other than for him to win, because I know he's the man. I may consider running for office. I might consider running for Senate, U.S. Senate. Um, it's something I'm contemplating, and I'll be making a decision here in the coming months. But I'm not going to let these people who stole our victory and run banana republic style elections push me and our movement of mama bears and papa bears and students and Arizonans who love this state. I'm not letting them push us down and stop us. Yeah. We're standing strong and proud to save our state and our country. Theodore Roosevelt, uh, his whole um, passage on being in the arena, I think is still one of the most inspiring things that uh, drives me daily to stay where we are. Um, because Carrie, as you know, being a conservative in media and here in New York and, you know, network wide, it's, it's one of those really tough things. People that don't like you do nasty things, but it's being in the fight that also matters and making sure that we don't give up ground. You were just talking about, um, removing the labels. And I've said for the longest time, we need a public policy Pepsi challenge. You remember the, remember the Pepsi, the blind Pepsi taste test, they would go out and they, they put it behind yeah. the thing. They say, taste this and taste that. And which one do you like better? And they, oh, surprise. I picked the other one. Yeah. Um, I think that's exactly what, uh, on some level, the, the everyday American could do with their neighbor over their backyard fence. Carrie, thank you for being here. Please come back and let's keep fighting for America's best. Forever. Always. Thank you. you. got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back from New York. Stay here. Ready or not, he'll be right back. Hey friends, it's uh, it's the weekend, and this has been a very important week. Uh, I, I made an announcement on social media, and I talked about it on the radio show this week. But we had someone come forward this week, and the offices, the the people at the headquarters of Christian Solidarity International, let me know that for our slave liberation campaign for the year of 2023. We've had a very important development. Someone stepped forward this week and said that for the rest of this week and through the end of this weekend, uh, they are going to basically match every slave we can liberate through CSI. 
Now, if you have been uh, with us in past weeks, you know that we have been targeting uh, slave liberation in the area of Sudan, uh, North, northern Sudan, southern Sudan, used to be one Sudan, civil war came, destroyed everything, uh, but uh, the northern Arabs were kidnapping women from the south uh, and dragging them back to the north and making them their slaves uh, pre, pre-war. The civil war was fought partly over that. And when the countries came in and settled the the war and the U.S. led the way and Christian Solidarity International helped facilitate all of that coming together, um, they didn't do anything about the slaves. And there were about 185,000 that were still enslaved in northern Sudan. So the world comes in, divides up the land, says, okay, southern Sudan, that's where the Christians can live. We're going to let you live there unharassed. You won't be bothered. Uh, and the north can be the the possession of where the uh, the Arabs live. Well, the only the only downside to that was that nobody went and took care of the slaves that were already there. And Christian Solidarity International has been doing this for the last 15, almost 20 years now. And because of some of you in years past listening to me, uh, helping me with this, we have liberated close to 3,500 slaves to date. Um, and it's a very simple process, and it's kind of reminiscent of how slavery uh, was ultimately ended here in the U.S. The Civil War was fought, obviously. But you remember the um, the Underground Railroad, uh, people that would um, go into the South and bring people out and get them to freedom, free territory in the North? Well, it's it's just the opposite geographically there, but the same idea. Arabs from the North that want to have good relationships with the farmers in the South have said uh, that they are willing to go in, scout out where slaves may be being held, and then do what they can to bring them back. Uh, when they have affected their their liberation and they, they bring them back, then the process is very simple. The slave has a recovery camp that they get to go to uh, for a period of time. They get to uh, recuperate, receive medical attention, tell their story, uh, explain as best they can what's happened to them in years past, explain to the CSI personnel where they're from originally so that they can be reunited with family. Uh, then they are given what's called the bag of hope. And this is what we do, friends, and this is so exciting. The bag of hope is everything that they need to start their life over again. It includes much more than what will fit into one bag, by the way. It includes a year's worth of sorghum grain to eat. So food for a year. Uh Right off the top of the uh, bat, you've 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 taken care of one of their biggest needs. Uh, period. Uh, they have uh, tarps and things that will help them uh, protect them from the uh, harsh elements, the heat in the summer and the the rains in the winter. In addition to that, they get a year's worth of seed that they can use to plant their own sorghum, and from there uh, grow food for the coming years in front of them. They're given utensils to garden and fish and clean and, and do things with. Uh, they're given a Bible. They're given blankets uh, to help uh, keep them warm. And uh, at the end of the day, they are given a uh, sh- little she-goat that can produce uh, goat kids uh, for the uh, future. And that gives them a micro-enterprise to help support themselves. Once they are given all of those things, which is way more than they've ever received in slavery, they are then uh, helped to relocate back to where their family was originally from. Many of these women were taken when they were young, young, young children. Uh, they've been in captivity for 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, they're in their you know mid-20s to early 30s. They, they don't know 
some of them don't remember much of their childhood. They have a hard time remembering uh, where they were. And for, in some instances, uh, they have been, um, well, in all instances, the women have been raped, brutally, brutally treated while in uh, captivity, in slavery. Uh, but some of them have had children that were born as well. And usually the slave master takes the child from the woman once she weans him. Uh, but in some cases, CSI has been able to negotiate the release of the uh, children as well. And we're starting to see more of them return to their uh, mothers as well, which is a very, very re rewarding thing. It's a very heartwarming thing to know that we're bringing some of those families back together. So here's where you come in. $250 one time provides that sack of hope, that bag of hope, which is everything they need to get started again once they we have them liberated. Uh, but it also provides the cattle vaccine that the slave master trades for the slave's life. It's really amazing. It sounds almost impossible to fathom in this day and age, but someone would value a, a, a piece of cattle more than a human being, but that's exactly what the slave masters have, and they can't get this particular vaccine called Nvidium. It helps the cattle survive the harsh weather, uh, and so they will, for one vaccine, they will re release one slave. Uh, once they are back to the safety of South Sudan, they, there's been zero recidivism. There's no re recapturing of any of these. The uh, agreement that was established by the two sides at the end of the war settled that. But friends, there's about, of the 185,000 that were in captivity at the beginning of the uh, the war, there are probably close to 30,000 left. And that's because of the diligence of Christian Solidarity International, you and um, other people just like you working together to liberate them. This year, our goal is 192 slaves. We have names on a list of 192 that can be released, but we cannot guarantee that they can be relocated if we don't have their bag of hope spoken for. And that's where we need you to help us. Will you liberate one slave tonight? If you do, here's the big news. There is another listener that is going to match that. So for every slave we can we can liberate right now, this evening, someone else is coming alongside and saying, I will do the same thing person for person. So if we have 40 people go to the phone right now, 888-342-1010, and each one of them liberated one slave, this other matching donor would do 40 slaves in one gift. We are at 72. We need 192. That's 120 that are left. Will you help us? 888-342-1010. 888-342-1010. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been the year of arena concerts and stadiums coming back to life after COVID. Here is Coldplay.
their stadium tour that is Coldplay a sky full of stars they have played 97 shows on that tour thus far and they're still not done speaking of not done we aren't either hour two straight ahead hey get the soundtrack search hashtag new music spotlight on Spotify or Apple Music 